So we're in our series called Words from the Mountain, and it's the place where in the Gospel of Matthew where, where Jesus has this large crowd following around and he goes up to the mountain. And he goes up and he's about to speak these words and they've been following him and they're ready to hang on everything that he's about to say. And he starts delivering these words that have been called, these first words from these words on the mountain have been called by Christian scholars to be the most profound words that have ever been spoken. And they're called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are a bit of a test of your faith. In a way, Jesus is becoming like a scientist and he's mixing the chemicals together to see if you come out actually as a Christian. And if you do, he's saying, okay, keep following me, follow me closer. And if you don't, he's saying, okay, it's time to finally first follow me for the first time that you ever have. And, and here's what happens. There's a shift in these Beatitudes as we're going through them. So we've looked at the first four Beatitudes, and here's what the first four were about. They were about your need from God. Like, you're desperate for God. To, to be able to say, actually, yes, God, I am satisfied in you. Like, nothing, take away everything, and I could be satisfied in you because what you have given me is enough. So that's the first four. Now, here's what happens next. There's a shift And when this shift happens, there's a change where we now have been filled by God, and so now we are giving to others. We're helping others. There's a shift that has to happen if you've really understood what he has given you. And if that shift doesn't happen, the litmus test is that there's a good chance that you aren't actually a Christian, that you haven't actually really discovered the grace of God. You've not been gripped by his mercy. And so here's something that happens pretty often in the, in the church. Um, I've seen it happen for years and years and years. So, so somebody is in pain. They're hurting. Something's happened in their life, and, and they say, I need God. So they, they find a church. And they go to that church, and they get like some healing from that pain. And then once the healing comes, they're gone. Or they feel just the weight of their sin. And they feel shame in their life. They're feeling guilt in their life. And they're like, man, I guess I, let me try out this Christianity thing. And so they come into the church and, and they start hearing about forgiveness of God. And they say, oh, I must be forgiven. Okay, good. And they find the forgiveness and then they're gone. Um, or just the weight of the world. Like the misery that the world sometimes will bring upon people. Someone comes, they're in misery. And they, they find relief. They find comfort. They actually find joy. And they say, okay, I'm good. I'm out. And here's what, here's what Jesus is saying in our verse today. That if you do not make the shift from actually discovering his mercy and his grace and make the shift from making it, okay, I've been filled by God and now you're seeking to help others. If you don't make that shift, he's saying you're failing the test. So I know, I know people's stories in the Grove. Um, and I know what some of you are going through. I know what people who aren't here today are going through. And uh, people in the church need you. Because you've been filled by God, and he's given you something, but there's people who need you now to go and be there for them. And that's the shift that has to take place, and that's what we're talking about today. It's called mercy. So, Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall receive mercy. Now here's what the cry is. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now the cry here is this. Mercy, mercy, mercy. And you say, well, I only heard two mercies in that verse. How, why are you saying three? Well, there actually are three mercies here. And it's in order to know that, you've got to understand this word blessed. This word blessed is one of these very, very important words that you'll find in the Bible that you don't really understand. So here's what it means. To be blessed means that you have received something from God. In this case, you have received God's mercy. It's a gift, and it's making you blessed. And because you have received this mercy, you now are being merciful to others. And you're trusting that one day there's going to come a day when God will show his mercy fully on you and you'll be delivered from any misery that you might have had in this world. Gone. So mercy, mercy, mercy. So here's how it happens. So the person who is blessed, it means that they have found an inner spiritual health. You get that? An inner spiritual health that gives them this happiness. That happiness is found in the mercy they've received from God. So they're being merciful to others and they're hoping in the promised mercy that is to come. Now, to understand this verse, you also have to understand what mercy means. And and here's my bet. You don't really get it. Because you're thinking of mercy and you're thinking of grace and you're kind of like, oh, they're probably like the same thing, right? No. So, here's how you think about these two. So, Grace is kind of the umbrella of Christianity, and mercy is a particular part underneath that umbrella. So grace is covering everything, as mercy is a specific part of grace. So here's how you'll say, hear people say this sometimes. Grace is receiving a gift that you didn't deserve. Mercy is not getting something that you did deserve. So in grace, you're receiving this amazing gift, like this, uh, something wonderful, There's no reason for you to get it. You didn't do anything to get it. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it, but you're getting it. In mercy, you're being rescued out of something horrible. They're different. And and that's a good way to look at it, but it still doesn't quite do justice. So I've been like scouring over to understand this word. So here's my best definition of mercy. Mercy is to have empathy on those who are miserable which drives you to act on behalf of that person. And even that word miserable, it just makes you kind of want to just like sink down in your seat. So you see someone who's just like doing that and you want to be there for them. That's what it means to be merciful. Uh, You're pitying them for the misery that they are experiencing. Now, misery comes in two different ways. So if you're going to understand everything I say, you've got to understand these two things. There's two ways that people experience misery that we're supposed to be merciful to them and help them in. So the first way is we are victims in this world. So this world is fallen, it's full of sin, and each and every one of you are victims in this world. However, there's another way, another way that you need to receive mercy or give mercy, and that is that you are a criminal. You're not just a victim in this world, but you are a criminal. You have sinned, and so you're part of the problem in this world. And so to be merciful to someone is first to help alleviate some of the pain and suffering they're experiencing from life in this world. But to be merciful is also this, to forgive those who have sinned against you. Okay? Because 
Mercy and forgiveness are very closely tied together. This is the thing that Jesus says. When, when, when you say, okay, Jesus, tell us how to pray, he says, pray. One of the things he says is, forgive people as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. So God has forgiven us, we must forgive others the same way. But he doesn't say it like that. He says, forgive those who have sinned against you. I mean, he makes it about us first. And it almost sounds as if the only way we're going to get forgiveness is if we forgive. So is that what is being said? Now that your eternal destination is beginning to terrify you, let me bring some clarity here. So, what this means is that you have both received forgiveness and now you have this desire to forgive others. So it says, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Now you got to get the order right. Okay, remember, you are blessed first. So you've received mercy, you've received forgiveness. And that mercy and forgiveness that you are receiving is now like giving you this ambition inside of you that you want to forgive other people. And that is proof, that is the test that you've actually really received mercy. In other words, if you have not received the mercy of God, you're not going to be very merciful to others. And the order is incredibly important, and people always mess up this order with Christianity. People always think, okay, I need to forgive then in order to be forgiven. I need to be good in order for God to accept me. And that is not the order. So, but it's the test. Right here is the test before you. And the question is this. Can you forgive? Because if you can't forgive, it's, it's like a blinking sign saying, you might not be forgiven. You might not actually be trusting that God has forgiven you. And that's why you're having such a hard time forgiving other people. It's the test. So Jesus tells this parable about the unforgiving servant. So there's this king or this master, and there's a servant of his who has this great debt that he owes him. And there's no way the servant's going to be able to pay it off. And if he gets thrown in jail for this debt, he's going to be in jail forever. So he begins to beg his master, please forgive me of this. And the master says, your huge debt, it's forgiven completely. And then this unforgiving servant who's just been forgiven, he goes, after being given this forgiveness, he goes and tracks down everyone that owes him money. And they owe him so little compared to what he owes his master. And he starts choking them. Like it says he's choking them. And he has them thrown in jail. And people hear about this. And so they go and tell the master king. And this master king says, goes to find the unforgiving servant and says, what are you doing? Do you not see what I've just done for you? And he has them thrown in jail. So the question is, was this unforgiving servant ever really forgiven by his master? No. Because he didn't believe that he was actually forgiven. And so he acted as someone who was not forgiven. And though by, since by believing he wasn't forgiven, he turned out to not be forgiven. Question is, who have you not forgiven? Who's wronged you? And you know they've wronged you. They know that they have wronged you, but you can't forgive them. The test is before you. It's right there. Bless you. You are blessed. Blessed are those who have received mercy. Can you, be for, can you forgive? Now, I'm not saying 
that you just let people sin against you. You have to be enabling them. That's not good for you. That's not good for them. The question is not, not that. The question is, can you forgive them? The question, the question is, do you actually pity this person who is sinning against you? Now, here's why this question is so important, because for the Christian who has received mercy, they realize that they are one, they're a victim of this person, but this person is also a victim of this world. And they also realize that they themselves are a sinner and a criminal, just like this other person. And they've come to the realization that if you live in this world long enough, you're going to start doing things that you don't want to do. And if you live in this world long enough, you're going to be blind to the things that you are doing that you don't realize are wrong, but they are incredibly wrong to people. And you're going to, if you're a Christian and you really have come to understand God's mercy, you're going to come to the realization that Satan is after all of us and he's tricking us and he's doing things to us that are making us do things we don't want to do. And so when someone sins against you, you can forgive them because of that. But this is what I see really a, a lot. So someone has wronged someone. Let's say someone has wronged you. And they realize it, and they come and they say, can you forgive me? And now, it's your opportunity for justice. You can make them suffer a little bit, because you have power now. Because they're coming to you for forgiveness. So you could make them suffer a bit, and just make them feel like, ah, oh, they got to work this off. they got to suffer a bit, and maybe they can work off some of the things that they've done wrong. That is not what God has done for you. He's not what God has done to you. He's forgiven you fully. So now you can forgive. The test is before you. It's like the science experiment. Are you an angry or merciful friend? Now listen, let me say this first too. This doesn't mean we don't seek justice. God wants justice, but he also wants forgiveness at the same time. And if you can't, it, it, and the tendency is to hold up one or the other. But you got to hold up both. But you, you, you're not even going to know really what justice is until you understand how to forgive somebody. You're not going to see clearly. And so what I see so often is, well, let me, let me just say this. Are you an angry or merciful friend? Are you hard on sinners or merciful to them? Come on, you know. Are you an angry or unforgiving son or daughter or sibling or spouse? A good test, and this isn't even about forgiving people, is people who believe different things than you. Maybe politically they believe things differently than you. And you can't even show mercy to someone who believes something politically different than you. They're not even sinning against you. I'm surely not talking to any of you. Or are you an angry driver or a merciful driver? I got you. Through the course of being in ministry, um, I get to see things that you guys don't get to see. Up close and personal, I get to see people's stories. And I get to see the stories of forgiveness and what happens. And I get to see the stories of what happens when someone actually really discovers God's mercy and how they're transformed by his mercy. And the other thing I get to see is what happens when one person forgives another and what it does to them. And how it transforms them. Because here's what, here's what starts happening. Let's say someone isn't a Christian. And that person who's not a Christian sins against a Christian and then the Christian forgives them. It's like a real forgiveness. And they weren't expecting it. 
And they say, what's going on here? And they say, well, you say, uh, well, Christ, I mean, you have no idea the things that I've done in my life, you say to this person, but God's forgiven me. So who am I to not forgive you if I've been forgiven such this great debt? The test is before you. Forgive your friend. Watch how it improves your relationship with them. I'm not saying if they've done wrong to you, I'm not saying you don't turn a blind eye to that. Don't turn a blind eye to that. If they've done wrong to you, they've done wrong to you, and you need to be aware of that. You need to see the patterns that they have, but that doesn't mean you don't forgive them. Same thing with a family member. Forgive a family member and watch what happens to your relationship with them. That doesn't mean you let them walk all over you. It means you just simply forgive them. Pity them in the misery that they are in, and you say, oh, you're forgiven. A spouse, co-worker, co-worker sins against you, does something, you, you forgive them. Watch what it does to your relationship with that co-worker and watch what it does to the morale in your workplace. Forgiveness is transformative. So that's the first part we're looking at. You forgive, and here's what happens. It's transformation. That's what mercy is, it's forgiveness. Second part, you see someone who's in misery and you go to their aid because you have been yourself in misery before. You know what it feels like, and so you go there for them. So true mercy always requires empathy and action. If it's real mercy, you can't just watch as someone's in pain and be like, oh, I feel so bad for them, and stand aloof. That is not mercy. Mercy requires action, and it means you put yourself in their shoes, you understand what they're going through, you understand the weight of what they're feeling, and then you go and you be there for them. You are here, and my guess is that God has healed you in some way from some type of problem. You're brokenhearted. You have sin. And now, don't just leave it at that. God has given you something. He's put something in you and he's given you mercy and now you are meant to now give that to others. Don't hold it in because that's not mercy. And that means that you haven't actually tasted true mercy. By the way, if you, if you like just bail on this whole thing. Like, if you're like, I, I got mercy from God. I feel it. I'm good. I don't need to be part of a church anymore. I, don't, I can just kind of go do my own thing again. I don't need to be there for other people. Here's what's going to happen. You're going you're gonna to be lost of joy. Because God has wired you in such a way that when you receive mercy from him, he's wired you in such a way that you need to give it to others. And if you don't do that, you are operating outside the way God has designed you, and so you will lack joy because of it. It's like there's this well that's inside of you that keeps on filling up with God's mercy, but if you don't start giving it to others, that well stops filling up, and the water gets stagnant, and when the water gets stagnant, you get dull, you get smelly, but if you're constantly giving to others what you have already received from God, and you're giving mercy to others, you're not going to smell bad anymore. Like, it, you're, you are going to be as you are meant to be, and it's going to bring you tons of joy. That's what Paul, when we were in our series called Moxie, Paul was saying that over and over and over again. The reason he was joyful is because he was serving the people that God has called them to serve. So serve the people around you. Go be merciful to them. 
and you're going to find yourself way more joyful. This is the test. Now, when you act with mercy, you have to act with wisdom too. Because you could act with mercy towards someone, but if you don't use wisdom in doing it, you could actually mess their life up pretty bad. So, so maybe, maybe this person, maybe somebody likes a lot of attention on them. And so they're, 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 they're really in misery, but also they kind of keep repeating the same pattern. And so you go there and you help them, but actually they like the attention from you. And so they're getting this attention from you. And by getting this attention from you, it just kind of keeps going over and over and over again. The, the human heart is very complex. Or, or, let me say it this way. This is why alcoholics can help alcoholics the best. That's why they have Alcoholics Anonymous, because an alcoholic can see the pattern. They can see the lies. They can see that person just wanting that next drink and doing what they need to do to get that next drink. And they catch them before they're actually able to do that, hopefully. Or someone who's rich tries to help someone who is poor, but if that person who is rich has never really been poor, they might just be giving this poor person money and that might not be good for that person because they're never learning how to save more money than they're spending. But if someone who is poor stopped being poor because they, they learned the wisdom of doing that, they're better able to help somebody who is poor. Let me tell you this. I say all of that to say this to you. Your story is your story. And your story is uniquely wired you to be able to help in a very specific and unique way that nobody else around you probably could do. So you're wired in such a way to be merciful to others based off of the story that you have had. But you have to be gripped by mercy. And if you're not... Being merciful to others, it means that you have not yet been gripped. Mercy was just an idea to you. It was not real. It hasn't gripped you. It was just an intellectual exercise and thought. So, okay, what are practical ways you can do this? Well, first thing you can do, very simple, just get into a discipleship group. Get into one of our discipleship groups because here's what happens in your discipleship groups. You're getting to know people. You're getting to know their story. And you have your own, like, your story. And your story is there to help them in their story. And you can help them tremendously just by being in this group with them because you've had what you've had and you've experienced what you've experienced. If you have received the mercy of God, you will then offer it. So that's a great way to do it. Second, find a way to serve on Sunday morning. It just kind of gets you, like, your pulse going for serving. And then you're going to get to know people, and as you get to know them, you're going to hear their stories, and you're going to know. Like, l- let me tell you this. Do not think that you are here in this room right now by accident. Do not think that God is not working on you right now. Do not think everything that's happening right now in this moment is not happening for some specific reason. God is at work. He is like the divine, like, Uh, orchestra conductor creating this symphony right now in your life all of our lives here collectively he is at work so the people in your discipleship group do not think that's happened by accident do not think your story is your story by accident and God hasn't put you in a place to uniquely help somebody look in your friendship groups look in your neighborhoods Look in your workplaces. There are people and they are drowning in their misery and they are not telling anybody about it and they're pretending like everything is good and it is not and they need you. You've got to start looking at people 
and seeing what's really going on inside of them because my guess is we're missing it. But what this all really comes down to is have you discovered the mercy of God? Not intellectually, but has it gripped you? Are you in awe of him? Do you realize what you have been saved from? How you are being saved right now and what you are being saved from in the future? Because the degree that you understand God's mercy towards you is the degree that you will be merciful to others. So if you want to be this person that Jesus is talking about here, you have to discover a truth. And here's the truth. And it all comes down to this. If you believe this to be true or not. Your sins are no match for his mercy. Do you believe that? Your sin is no match for his mercy. Now, please don't make the mistake of thinking that God is not judgmental. Because he is the perfect judge. He hates sin. He hates the effects of sin. He hates Satan. He hates all evil. He is coming for sin. And he's ready to destroy. In fact, God being the God of justice, the judgmental God, that's the thing that's going to give you the world you long for, that God is just. He is seeking justice, and that's what will give you the world you long for. And understanding that he is just is the precursor to you understanding his mercy. In fact, you'll never really get his mercy until you understand that he is a just God. And here's what happens. When you realize that he is a just God and he is not happy about sin and his judgment is coming for all of your sin, it's going to terrify you a bit and it should terrify you a bit, but then you discover his mercy. So what is he towards you? Is he judgmental or is he merciful? Well, it depends. Depends what you put your faith in. See, here's your options. Because he, ha- he must do justice. He is God. And so his justice is coming. But faith in Christ means this. Here's the merciful gift that you get. All of his justice and judgment is redirected away from you upon Christ on the cross. Judgment has to happen. You either take it or you let Christ take it in your place. You see that? And that's us, that we're criminals, yet at the same time we are victims. So this is where the resurrection comes in. This is in the resurrection, he is ushering victims into a new world where we can be saved from it. So he both saves the criminal and the victim, and we are both. And it is a beautiful thing. But it all comes down to this. Because this is the stuff that makes you actually want to worship God. This is the stuff that makes you go from, man, I don't understand these Christians and why they're like lifting up their hands or why they're singing or why they're doing the things that they're doing to saying, oh, I get it. That makes sense to me now. And here's what you find. Christ has looked down upon you in your misery. He has seen what your sin is doing to you and to the people around you, and he is seeing what is happening to you as being a victim of, of this fallen world. And he sees it, and he has mercy on you. And he comes, he rips open the heavens to come down to you. I mean, his mercy is driving him to you, and he gets to you, and you say, Lord, have mercy on me, and he says, okay. And he climbs up upon that cross 
And all of the judgment that was meant for you goes right upon him on the cross. It's satisfied. It's finished. It's done. It's not coming at you ever because it went at him. And then he rises from the grave. And when he rises from the grave, he opens the heavens back up and he leaves it open for us to enter into this new world where we will no longer be victims of a fallen world, but we will be in the world as it's meant to be. It will be completed. It will be perfect. It will be the heavens and the earth woven together as they are meant to be. And when that happens, all will be made right. And all misery will be completely gone. In fact, it will be so crazy. But there's a verse that says, all that you have gone through, somehow it will make eternity even better. Like the suffering you're experiencing, the misery you're experiencing now, somehow it's making eternity all the better. I don't get it, but that's what the verse is saying. So we trust that. Mercy is the test of your faith. It's the test. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to help that's in need? The question is, have you received the mercy from God? And if you have, you will go to that person. And if you haven't, you need to go and figure out what's going on with you and God and if you really think he's a merciful God. Because if you don't think he's a merciful God, you think he's a judgmental God and it will turn you into a vicious judge. That's why you see so many people in churches that seem so judgmental. Mercy has not gripped them. They're in the tight grip of justice. And they think that's the way in. And so they're judgmental towards everyone around them. But the Christian who has found the mercy of God has been gripped by the mercy of God. They look at the people around them with compassion, with love, and with mercy. So go find Christ and he'll give you that. Father, we pray now that we would be gripped by your mercy. That you sent your son for us to suffer, to die in our place so that we can be free from the guilt and shame of our sin and so we can be free from being victims of this world. God, help us believe this to be true and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.